Hey, it's the end of the year, and as a way to celebrate the holiday season, I wanted to bring the top 10 episodes back to the front and showcase some of the best we've had to offer. And today, we're bringing you the number five episode on the list with Jerome Myers and Nick Vu. And this was actually the very first episode that we released after our pilot. And so, you know, we, for all intents and purposes, this is episode number one. And, you know, still one of the top five in the entire podcast history. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. Today, we have Jerome Myers on the show and Nick Vu. Uh, Jerome Myers leads the Myers Development Group, which focuses on buying broken apartment build- building businesses and using innovative thinking and solid execution strategies to optimize the operational efficiency of the business. Currently, he's asset manager for approximately 90 units of workforce housing across Virginia and North Carolina, and he's on a mission to hold 1,000 doors by the end of 2028. He's also a real estate coach using the Myers method of multifamily investing and the host of two podcasts, Dreamcatchers and Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps podcast. Finally, he also volunteers on STEM boards, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, and enjoys traveling internationally. So, Jerome, welcome to the show. Brian, so excited to be with you this morning. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. You know, I, I followed you for a little while. And, uh, you know, when, when we decided to start the podcast, you know, I think I've told you this before, you know, you, you were the first text that went out, you know, hey, Jerome, do you want to be on the show? You know, so, you know, I'm super excited to be here, you know, um, you know, really, really am looking forward to hear what you have to say. So, I mean, with that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? You know, and tell us, you know, who Jerome Myers is and, you know, walk us up to the point to where you decided to invest in apartments. Yeah, man. So, you know, first I want to start off by saying thank you for your service. My dad was a Marine, believe it or not. Uh, he was 17 when he joined the Marine Corps wow. he from high school and went straight into the Marines trying to get away from a pretty tough situation in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, mom out in Alaska and they've been two peas in a pod ever since. Nice. But, you know, I, I start there because I come from the, being a son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people try to figure out how you're going to meet, you know, these wealthy people. How are you going to do these big deals? And, you know, I, I'm not somebody who came from a background where, you know, we had a million dollars to start out. I yeah. Started so so you're, you're one of those kids that bounced around the country, you know, and, you know, basically never really had a home. No. So that part is really interesting. I lived in the mm-hmm. same for 18 years. Oh, wow. Went to college. My father made the decision to, in some ways, hold back his career. So he did two one-year deployments mm-hmm. to and that he avoided uh, active duty combat time. He, he was always at home. He was responsible for getting the people over and coming back. Okay. Um, he was a jump master as well as a uh, military intelligence guy. And yeah. so he was the guy that got them there and got them back. It was pretty yeah. cool. So we, we stayed at Fort Bragg the entire time, believe it or not. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, appreciate his service as well. I mean, he, he laid a foundation for, for everything that, uh, you know, we, we currently do. So, yeah. So, so from there, tell, tell us a little bit about more about where you grew up. I, I think North Carolina is where it was, right? Yes. Yep, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, not far from Fort Bragg. And then, you know, I left, went to college, uh, studied engineering, got a civil engineering degree, played football for four years at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. And then upon graduation, started out as a structural engineer. Did that for a few years, got on the fast track and was climbing the corporate ladder as quick as I could. 
Uh, and then 2009 happened and mm -hmm. one of my sponsors um, had me in a role and I was doing it because he told me to do it, but I hated the job. Yeah. He's, he got eliminated. Um, I was stuck and I, I was really upset about being stuck. I felt like a victim. I felt like it wasn't fair. I was still employed and everything, yep. right? So you, you realize how privileged you sound when you say things like that. But, you know, I, I thought I was on a rocket ship. I was going to be in one of the youngest executives at the company ever. And instead, I got stuck in a job that I hated. And your so, world got turned upside down right there. Yeah. I um, eventually ended up leaving the power company and started doing some consulting. And then my last role in corporate America was building a $20 million um, EPC business for a construction company. And so mm -hmm. I was employee number two. And we had zero dollars billed. And by the end of the year, we had about 175 employees and $20 million in revenue. Um, we we're super profitable. I have P&L control. And so mm -hmm. at you know 30% profits in there. And my reward for making all that money was laying people off for the first time. And that was Ooh. a disaster. I hated it. Mm -hmm. um, remember hanging up on Christmas Eve with my supervisor saying, Jerome, you have to keep running the team. You better pick who you want because if somebody else does, you may be disappointed. And so we did that. And then I said, I'll never do it again. And sure enough, November came around. I had to do the same thing again. And I said, I'm out. And so that's where I made the transition and said, I'm, I'm going to pursue real estate full time. Okay. All right. So why did you choose real estate out of everything? I mean, civil engineering degree, you know, why real estate? Well, I chose real estate because when I was a sophomore in college and I realized I didn't want to be an engineer, but I was going to finish what I started, my buddy and I were sitting on a stoop. And so I was paying, I had two roommates, they were paying three ninety five. dollars Then downstairs, my buddy and his roommates were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so math and the guy that owned the complex was making $700,000 a year. Yep. We talked to him. We had no idea what he looked like. And we were like, well, this is what we want to do. We want to decouple our time for money. Mm -hmm. and, but, you know, going back to my roots, right, I didn't have attorneys and real estate investors and doctors and so on coming over to the house for dinner. So I had no idea how you actually get into space. Yeah. Um, and so we spent the time in corporate America growing credit scores, some wealth, and we had something to invest when it was time for me to walk out the door. And so I just went back to that. I felt like if I could build $20 million business for somebody else, if I could just, you know, build something that's two, $3 yeah. million for me, I'd be all right. Yeah. Why, why, why not? Why not take your efforts, you know, in building somebody else's company and build your own legacy, build your own company. Yeah. I mean, funny you mentioned that, you know, back, I remember back uh, in, in college, you know, I was living in a 36 unit apartment building and me and a couple of buddies who all lived there, you know, we're, we're doing the math ourselves. Um, you know, it took me 20 years to, to actually do something about it, but we all thought, man, this is what we need to do. We need to own apartments, you know, but uh, then life happened, you know, so well, good, good. So, so you get into multifamily, you're, you're a little bit tired of the corporate world. You're, you're tired of, you know, especially having to lay people off and, and give people the bad news and, and you default on, you, you go back to apartments, something that you've enjoyed for a while. Um, so, so tell us what about, about how, how you went about that. Um, how you got back into you know the, the the real estate industry, and and what you've done up to now? Yeah, so it was a disaster. I went and started <laughs> knocking doors. Uh, I had no real education, and the banks. I was like, uh, well, I got money, and mm -hmm. I've got a great credit score, eight hundred. Yep. Are you going to give me some money, right, so I can go buy this building? And you're like, 
yeah, right. And I was like, well, I got an engineering license and I'm a certified project management professional. I got an MBA. They said, yeah, so what? And I kept going <laughs> list of all the things I'd done in corporate America and they didn't care. And yeah. the matter is I never signed a loan to buy a building. So they weren't going to give me a loan to sign a building. And so I had to go fix and flip houses for a while. And while I was sitting on the stoop, stoop's important for me, right? I was sitting mm -hmm. on the stoop, guy pulled up. He said, I'm getting ready to do a flip down the road. Um, let me check out your finishes. And he's walking through and we start talking. He said, hey, do you know anything about that building in Church Hill? I was like, I tried to buy that four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm getting ready to make an offer on it. And I was like, please don't leave me out. And sure enough, he left me out. But the offer <laughs> got accepted. And so I finagled my way into that deal and sat in an asset manager role because I've been aggressively trying to learn how I was going to crack this nut and get into space. Mm -hmm. And after we closed and the press release came out and my name was in the paper, every bank was ready to lend at that point. And so yeah. created a relationship with the bank and um, left Virginia and came to North Carolina back to Greensboro where I went to college and started buying and we bought you know, we've tried about do two or three deals each year mm -hmm. and you know, we've built a portfolio of about 90 doors at this point. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you make a really good point. I mean, we, we had the same issue on our, our first, you know, multifamily syndication. Um, you know, we went to get the loan and that's exactly what they told us. You know, we, we had a lot of um, experiences, LPs. I mean, collectively, you know, within Four Oaks Capital, you know, we were LP on 900 doors, you know, with, you know, probably about, you know, $400,000 invested, but it didn't count for anything, you know, and each one of us had roughly 12, 20 years in corporate America or military service. And they're like, exactly. we got the same answer, you know, yes, but what have you done in real estate? You know, so um, we had to bring a partner in to, to satisfy that itch right there. But uh, so, so you found your way into a deal, you got a little piece of the GP ended up being asset manager and your name's in the papers. And now all of a sudden you have that credibility, you know, that's, that's a huge thing in this business. It's just having that little ounce of credibility because that opens doors with everybody. So up to 90 doors right now. And, uh, mostly I think, uh, Virginia and North Carolina, all of them, Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah. So we've done one deal in Richmond, Virginia, and the rest have been in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. I like Greensboro. That's a nice little area. So nice. So what's, what's next for you? What are your, what are your goals, you know, in multifamily uh, apartment investing in the next while? Yeah. So we've got proof of concept. So everything we've mm -hmm. done so far is just to understand what works, what doesn't work, really getting good at our business plan, our strategy. And so now it's time to go to scale. And so we've got 120 unit development in the works. We've got a 220 unit deal that we're looking to take down later this year. And we've mm -hmm. got a six unit where if we can get the price negotiated where we want it to be, we'll take all that down. And that all those deals are within 30 minutes of each other, Brian. So nice. the goal is to be the market maker here in Greensboro. We want to own the market for workforce housing. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll, we'll be able to do that. You know, being full time in the space allows me to get to deals quicker. And yeah. so we run the deals, build a fence, decide whether or not we like the deal and then we'll close it if we do. But if we don't, then we get out. So yeah. quick and then go through due diligence slow is our strategy. Yeah. There's a lot to be said, a lot of economy in having all of your deals in the same location, you know? So um, I assume do you, have, do you have the same property manager or how do you, how you guys do the management? Yeah. So everything we've done so far, we have the same property manager on these larger deals. We're considering using somebody that's a little mm -hmm. bit bigger just because 
bigger deals. Yeah. You know, they're, they're used to running deals that big. Um, and so, you know, we just got to see how it all works out, yeah. but we've been pretty happy with our, our new property manager and we stumbled and fell on our face the first time we, we picked the wrong guy and mm-hmm. it didn't work out very well. But yeah, I mean, today after making a shift and getting some good referrals, we feel a whole lot better about our situation. Nice. Nice. So let's talk about your, your podcast really quickly. Um, you have two of them. Can you give us just a rundown of what each one is and also how that helps you with your apartment investing business? Yeah. So dream catchers, we tell the story of people who exited the matrix. You mentioned mm-hmm. my shirt earlier, you know, I took yep. the bill back in 2010, started making some changes in the way that I, I walked the walk and experienced life. And um, the goal is really just to give people those tools and tactics who realize they may be climbing up the wrong ladder and want to make a transition or just want to make a shift in their life, whatever that is, and have them hear stories, not from the super successful people who are so far away from them that they can't relate, mm-hmm. but somebody a few steps ahead of them, right? I, I want to, and Brian, you've been on the podcast, right? Yeah. You, Suck down your first deal and you were able to come on and share your story. And it's all about proximity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I was starting on this multifamily journey, I didn't know anybody that owned apartments, right? So podcasting and YouTube were my mentors and it was way I got around people who were doing what I wanted to do. And so that's what we work, work through and work with, with dream catchers. Okay. Um, with multifamily missteps, I just got so tired of hearing people romanticize what multifamily investing was. Everybody makes money. There's never a bad deal. Nobody makes any mistakes when they go on the podcast. And I, I just got tired of it. I knew that yeah. it wasn't true. Yeah, I have my experiences and I'd, pro- I'd listen to 40 hours of content each week already. And so just hearing everybody talk about how it was all old great and rainbows and lollipops. I knew that wasn't true. And I wanted to bring operators on to share these war stories because, you know, when you hear everybody's doing well, it's exciting. But then when you get into it, it becomes discouraging because you ask, am I the only one that's struggling? And so we will have some really great guests come on and share the ins and outs and the the how to's associated with multifamily investing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great idea. It's much better to learn from somebody's mistakes than it is to do your own, you know? So, um, by, by the way, I'm, I'm sitting on the invitation. I, you sent it to me a couple of days ago. You know, I, I would absolutely love to be on. So, you know, don't take it as a, a slight if I haven't answered yet, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to sign up for that really quickly. Um, the biggest problem I have with that podcast is deciding which one of my missteps do I focus on? Because, you know, it's, it's not a bed of roses um, or maybe it is a bed of roses and you just have to, you know, look past all the thorns and, and see the, the, the actual beauty of it. But, uh, um, well, hey, that, that's great. Um, now, one more thing. I understand you have a Myers method. You also have a coaching program or a mentoring program of some sort. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, Brian, I get a lot of calls mm-hmm. and calls go something like this. I spent twenty five to $50,000 for a high ticket coaching program and I'm not getting any traction and I'm not getting the support I need. Mm-hmm. You have a successful product of a high ticket coaching program. You've closed massive deals and you know, you've, you've gotten the ball rolling really quickly, but there's a whole lot of people who go into those and don't actually get any results. And so I wanted to create something to allow people to get into multifamily with a focus on doing joint ventures instead of syndication so that 
the desire that they have to create wealth for their family doesn't turn into another piece of debt, right? If you go spend 25 to 50 grand on a high ticket program and you don't actually close a deal or several deals to make that money back, then you just have something big sitting on your credit card or lost something out of your retirement savings. And so we do something at a much lower ticket to allow people to get the education and wisdom they need in order to be deal finders. Mm -hmm. And we partner them in the community with folks who have experience if they've got a great deal. And then that experience usually brings capital to the deal. And so we've created this ecosystem so mm-hmm. that people can go through, get the education they need, be able to talk the talk and show up and be taken seriously and then run through the gamut of getting things done for, you know, those, those that are 500 to maybe 1.5 or $2 million. And yeah. then if they have some success there, and I think if you look at the track record of most of the educators, that's where they started. And then they move up and go do the $10 million deals. My, my, I liken it to going to take down Moby Dick mm-hmm. and, you've never done anything but bought a single family home. You got to go fishing first, you know, fish for the small fish first. Yeah. Get some tuna in the boat. And then once you get some tuna in the boat, then, you know, you can come back and go well hunting, but get some tuna in the boat first. (laughs) I love that. Get some tuna in the boat. All right. Hey, well, thanks for that. Um, So, so this is uh, what we call an ask the expert um, part of our, our podcast series where we bring on an aspiring investor and an experienced investor. So right now we would like to turn, uh, some time over to um, our good friend, Nick Vu, who is a recent graduate of the United States Naval Academy, you know, so near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm not a Naval Academy graduate, but, uh, you know, being been a Marine for, you know, 19 years. So, like I said, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, he's a current graduate student, Purdue University. Um, and he's also been picked up as an underwriter for the Veteran Pride Investment Group and is actively looking for apartment complexes with his team. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for having me on, Brian. And also nice seeing you again, Drew. Um, we met each other at a webinar. Or nice little networking sessions. It's nice seeing them here as well. Yeah. So we've heard a lot about Jerome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you want to get into the multifamily arena. So I guess to give you a little brief introduction already, but I guess I'm a recent graduate and um, I had a lot more time here in Purdue than back in the Naval Academy. Back then, my time was a lot more blocked off and now it's a lot more free-flowing. So I got kind of like started looking to more interests, uh, side things, um, and essentially use my free time to better myself. And I came across um, real estate investing, like through the active duty passive income group. And mm-hmm. I kind of learned all about um, passive investing, and also how to invest as a military member. So I was planning on focusing on the um, kind of house hacking strategy with the VA loan. Yep. So I was planning to go into my next duty station, buy a house, live rent-free with roommates. And it wasn't until I met this group, Veteran Prime Investment Group, is where I actually found my why. So for reason I was playing on trying to, I definitely still want to obtain that financial freedom, but uh-huh. with this group, I kind of gained a, like a bigger purpose. Um, so this group is actually, um, they invest for the purpose of hoping to end um, veteran homelessness. So they mm-hmm. actually donate 20% of the profits back to veteran causes. And I kind of really like that. It's like investing with a purpose. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of align my values with this team and, uh, I want to get into real estate investing to help other people, whether it's housing homeless vets or even teaching people about the power of real estate. And I really like that, that um, mentality. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, veteran homelessness is, is, you know, one of many good causes out there, you know, and, and I take my hat off to you for, for definitely pursuing that. Um, so 
what are your, your goals in the future as far as, you know, acquisitions, you know, where, where do you see yourself five to 10 years from now with, with this, this multifamily thing? Definitely, um, I think in five, 10 years, I hope to achieve some financial freedom, maybe guess, um, replace my current income or have an equal amount of income through real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be in a level where I could actually teach people about, um, this wonderful, um, investment strategy. Like I, I've actually talked to a few other people, other junior officers um, about our plans for the future and how we want to create a platform where we can teach other young officers like myself um, about real estate and lead them down the path to uh, financial freedom through real estate. Um, so my goal is to eventually maybe get to the level of maybe Drew Myers and you yourself where I have the knowledge and expertise where I can launch um, platforms to, to help other people. Nice. Nice. Well, we have Jerome on the line here. I mean, he's he's an uh, uh, apartment investing expert. What would you like yeah. to ask him? Yeah, of course. I've actually listened to a few of Jerome's podcasts, um, a few episodes of Myers Methods and also Dreamcasters. And I really liked his Myers Methods because it actually talks about those failures and errors that um, others have made. So as I can do invest myself, um, what are some of the common mistakes that new investors make? What are some of the most, um, what, what things can new people like myself do to um, succeed in this business? I like your question. And I think it's a wise one. I, I always boil it down to four things, knowledge, deal flow, capital, and experience. And so a lot of, if you were going to go be a plumber, would you just watch a video on YouTube and then go try to sell your services to somebody? Oh, no, I'd probably like find someone expert, be like an apprentice or something. Yeah, you, you go work with somebody who's done it before uh, or you go to some formal training. You know, I, they taught you how to do a lot of great things at the Naval Academy. But for some reason, people think they can go buy multimillion dollar businesses because that's what you're buying. You're buying a business that has real estate tied to it off of watching videos on YouTube and listening to podcasts. And part of it is because, you know, bigger pockets been like anti-guru. And so a lot of people start there when they get into real estate investing, but you're running a business. This isn't like just buying a single family home where it's like, all right, I bought the home. Now I just need to put a person in it. I'm done. You've got a bunch of other things going on. And depending on how big the property is, you might have, you know, onsite management and a bunch of other things. So I think knowledge is the first thing and it's foundational. Um, And what I will say is like, everybody figures out these same four things. They just don't realize the order. And so I put these in order and I'll break down why I think this is the appropriate order you're here in a second. Um, and then, so then there's leads and deals. They have the same letters, but they aren't the same thing, right? A lot of people think, oh, I got a lead. A broker sent this to me. And because the broker sent it to you, it works. It doesn't work. The broker is putting it just outside of the reach of it working so that they can get the maximum price for the property that they're available to. They are getting paid by the seller to get them as much money as possible. And so when you understand that, now you realize, hey, I have to live with the decision I make with taking this property down. And so let me make sure that I underwrite it to a place where when those mistakes happen, I actually have some cushion. When you know somebody moves out in the middle of the night and I didn't expect it, I have something to fall back on. Because if you make it so that everything is rainbow and lollipops, you are going to be writing checks to pay for things that you didn't anticipate writing checks for. And it's no fun to write a check for a mortgage. I've done it several times. And, you know, mine's wasn't as big as Brian Burke's, but Brian Burke came on multifamily missteps. He talks about writing a $15,000 check, 
for three years to pay for a mortgage for a property that wasn't performing. And not everybody has those types of resources. And so you just got to be careful, especially if you're bringing other people's money into the deal to make sure you have the cushion necessary. I'll tell um, you, my, my second uh, single family investment, I was putting in five to $600 a month to, to make sure I made my mortgage payment. So, you know, you struck a chord with me on that one. I mean, six to $7,000 annually to keep that thing afloat. Yeah. Good, very good point. And so I, I appreciate you offering that because I call it, you either have alligators or you have geese. Geese lay eggs, alligators you keep feeding. And it, you can't have too many alligators in your real estate portfolio before you're working just to have a real estate portfolio. Real estate portfolio is supposed to lay eggs. You're not supposed to have to keep feeding it. So just keep that in mind. And if you underwrite it right, you know, it'll all proportion out with the right percentages. And so then you're, you're looking for experience. You want experience so that you have somebody look over your shoulder. Uh, you know, I spend a ton of time consuming content because I didn't want to get something wrong that I was supposed to know. And the fact of the matter is it didn't matter how much content I consumed. I wasn't going to be able to get everything. And so having somebody who's been there and done that to look over your shoulder and say, hey, watch out for this, or you might want to think about that uh, is really, really valuable. And this big deal that we're looking at right now, you know, I had conversations with one guy that had 2000 doors. I'm having a conversation today with a guy that's got 6000 doors. Uh, I talked to two or three other people. I talked to a property manager that manages about 1500 and another one that manages about 4000. I talked to all of those guys about this one deal to get their perspective on if it makes sense and why they do it. And, you know, that just gives me confidence because, I mean, once you take possession of the property, it's your problem. Nobody else. And you got to deal with it and you've got to do whatever it takes to get through it so that you can get out, even if that means writing a check at the closing table to get somebody else to take it off your hands. And then the final thing is capital. A lot of people say they can't get into the space because they don't have the money. Um, money is chasing experience and deals. I do not believe that you get money in a deal because you've got a great deal. You get money in a deal because you have experience and a great deal. And, you know, everybody who skips that experience piece is not telling you the whole story because nobody wants you to learn with their money unless they're friends and family. And so, and not even friends and family are excited about that. How awkward is it if you lose money at Thanksgiving when, you know, your mom put in her retirement savings in your deal and you got to look at your mom like, I can't pay you back because I don't have any money and the deal flopped. So I, I don't know what to do. And so money capital is looking for experience in those. And so I, I follow that order. Get educated because that allows you to speak intelligently and evaluate deals then once you evaluate those leads and find some deals, you want to go share that with some folks that have experience. And usually those experienced people can connect you with capital and they'll keep you on the deal for um, finding it because you did the legwork. Deals are at a premium. Capital is a commodity. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I learned a lot. And going back onto education, uh, what are some of your worst failures that you've had and how'd you recover from them? And also what would you have done differently if you had the opportunity? Yeah, I probably would have went and got some formal education, somebody who curated the content for me, you know, spending 40 hours a week consuming podcasts, books and YouTube wasn't the most efficient way for me to do it. And then it gets redundant. And so now you're just looking for that 10%. That's a little bit different. And so I really wish I would have 
went through some program that laid everything out for me. And then I just supplemented what I learned as my base knowledge. It was really fun listening to Michael Blank and then Rod Khalif and then this John Kasman and then all these other educators and learning their approach and then trying to jam it all together. And, you know, everybody didn't agree with everybody. Everybody's got their little tweak. And the fact that we chose to do joint ventures instead of syndication threw a lot of stuff out the window for me. Um, so, you know, that for me is probably the biggest piece. I would have done that differently. Biggest mistake. Uh, one of the ones that I think is pretty glaring and idiotic is I modeled the taxes on a property that we were buying for $800,000 at a thousand dollars. Body knows that yep. that's wrong. Right. And you know, I, I put that business plan in front of the bank. They didn't have a problem with it. I put it in front of several other partners. They didn't notice. And I left a zero off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we closed around the time when tax bills come out. The, I thought the attorney paid the taxes in closing. He didn't. And so we get a bill in March of the following year with interest because the tax bill never got sent to us. It got sent to the property and they didn't even put a unit on the property. And so we paid the interest for being late as well as a late fee in addition to it being $9,000 higher than what we expected. And so fortunately that property has some decent revenue. So we were able to take care of it, but you know, just making a $9,000 mistake because you made a rounding error or you didn't put something in the model, right. Is, you know, indicative of somebody who didn't have the proper oversight and was modeling something and, you know, just missed something that was really, really glaring. I mean, it's a big mistake. And, you know, when I go back and look at that model, I'm like, man, like my expense ratio is like 28%. <laughs> like I'm killing it. I'm going to make a fortune. And the reality of the situation is we're operating that building at like $200 a month per door, mm-hmm. which is really, really low. But there's no way I'm ever going to get to my pro forma expenses. Yeah. Doesn't, it's just not mathematically possible. And so now I've got to do something on the revenue side in order to get my NOI so that I can actually achieve the targets that we set out for in the deal. And I think we're going to be able to do that. Um, I think the other thing that's probably really interesting and it's something to watch out for is make sure that you put more contingency in. It doesn't matter. Every deal that I've done so far, it didn't matter how much I thought it was going to cost or how long I thought I was going to take. Even after I added the fat on it, I was still wrong. Right. So put some more on it, put some more money in the bank, Extend out the time to get things done a little bit longer. And even if you think you're done, just put some more on it. And you don't want to do it to the point where you kill the deal, but you want to have some more in there. And here's a, another example. The very first deal we did, uh, we thought we were only going to have to do indoor units on the AC. So half the building had a central HVAC, the other half did. And so we were putting full units in on the ones that didn't, and we were just adjusting the configuration of the ones that did. And so the ones that we were adjusting, we thought it was going to cost us about $2,500 to do it. Turned out we had to pull everything out and start over. And so imagine a $2,000 mistake over 25 units gets expensive pretty quick. Yeah, that could ruin your CapEx budget right there. We blew it out the water, right? And 
you know, I'm glad that the bank didn't give me the loan by myself because I'd be bankrupt today. Mm-hmm. Right. If I didn't have the partners in the deal that I had in the deal, I would have been out of business on my first deal. And I think a lot of people get to this place where like, I'm just going to save my money and put in a deal. And because I, I do that, I'll get my experience that way. That experience that you get that way can put you out the game permanently. And so I, I deeply encourage folks to like spend the money on some education up front so that they don't run off the road and destroy everything because it's unfor- it's an unforgiving business and there's a lot of people out here who will do whatever they can to make a buck. And if you don't know what you're doing, they're going to take advantage of you. And it's, it's not that they're bad people, but everybody has the opportunity to get the education or get some coaching or to get somebody in the space that can help them um, not make terrible mistakes. But if you're willing to overpay, they'll be glad to take your money. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that insight. Okay. Yeah. Again, I've learned a lot from that as well. Um, so I guess there's another question that kind of maybe unique to my situation. Like as someone from the military, um, I'll need to eventually balance my military career and aspirations to become a multifamily operator. Um, but my goal is to become an operator. Um, so what advice do you have people, maybe um, those balancing a W2 or even my situation as well, like those starting off the military careers with, um, this multifamily business and Brian, feel free to chime in as well. Cause with your experience, you probably have a lot more too. I'll let Jerome go first and I'll, I'll add it on the end. Yeah. So I think that's a, a great question. And so I don't believe in balance, right? I, I believe yeah. in innovation. I think you have to be the same person in all the places that you go if you want to live authentic life. And so when you're at work, you, you got to do the work stuff, but there may be times where you, you need to call brokers. There may be times where you need to take a break to go visit a property and you've really got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And if you're, it's different with the military because you guys usually have to PT in the morning, but a lot of people, you know, they don't start their day till six thirty or seven o'clock. A lot of people that I know that built real estate businesses while they were working full-time jobs, they have a 4 a.m. start. And then they do three hours before they do work for somebody else. And then they work all day, might do something at lunchtime. And then they spend the balance of that time in the evening after doing some stuff with family. You know, they've got that eight to 11 time frame where they're working on the business. And so basically they got two full-time roles that they're working on in order to get the wheels off the ground. Um, the other thing that I think is probably really valuable is stacking. So, if you're a music listener, replace that with podcasts and books, right? And so your commute, you you want to use that for education. Uh, if you are a TV watcher, you want to replace that with education stuff and maybe use it as a reward or a treat for accomplishing something versus just indulging in the leisure. Um, there's not a whole lot of time for just hanging out and watching the game on Saturday. Um, your weekends are going to be where you make up that extra two hours that you can't get uh, during the week if you're doing, you know, three before and three after that other two or that 10 for the week comes up over the weekend. So uh, just be really, really diligent about your time. And I would say don't take on additional responsibilities. If you know your goal is to exit, then you want to keep your responsibilities for building something for somebody else really tight. Right. So you're walking out at five. Right. You're not doing the extra hour or or you're not just guarding the desk for the sake of being there unless you're working on your own stuff. Right. Um, 
that I think that's probably the best way to do it. And with that said, though, the job is usually what's fueling funding your real estate ventures and endeavors. And so you want to make sure that you're doing a great job so that you're maximizing the amount of money that you can make in that role. It's probably a little more structured with the military than it is in a corporate role. But, you know, you want to remember that 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 job is your investor. It's your first investor in the deals. So, you know, I'll, I think every, I, I love everything Jerome said, you know, and I'm just going to piggyback on most of it. I don't think I'm going to bring up anything new, but, uh, you know, as far as your, your job, I mean, you're, you're active duty Navy, you know, you, you've made a commitment, um, you know, and frankly, there's, there's a lot of things in public law that are going to dictate, you know, how you, how you take care of that job. But uh, one thing that I'll tell you is, you know, if, if you don't do the best you can in that job, you know, that's, you know, that job is going to also give you a reputation. You know, if you have a reputation of being, you know, the lazy slothful JO or junior officer, who's, um, you know, always got his mind somewhere else, you're going to have a hard time convincing your, your friends, your peers and everybody around you to invest in your apartment deals. You know, so like, like Jerome said, when you're at work, you've got to dedicate yourself to that job and be the best you can be, be the best sailor you can be, you know, be the best naval officer that you can be. Um, and then when you switch to real estate, same thing, you've got to give hundred percent to that real estate as well. Um, you know, what, what I've done is, you know, I, I decided to ride the Metro to the Pentagon every day, you know, so I get on the Metro every day. I pull out my iPad, I pull out my, my, my phone and I, I'm typing something out. I'm, I'm working on emails. I'm working on, um, content, you know, there, there's just a million things that I'm doing on that train ride every morning that, uh, you know, are, are pushing the business forward, you know, and when I take vacation days, I take vacation days to work on real estate right now, you know, and that's something that I really recently started doing, but, you know, in the military, we get 30 days a year to take off, which is, is quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. so, so 30 days a year, you know, I'm taking a day here to underwrite properties, you know, a day there to, you know, catch up on, on investor phone calls you know, three days there to, you know, drive down to, you know, North or South Carolina to do due diligence, you know, so it's something that you, you just really have to, you know, like, like Jerome said, you know, make sure you're, you're taking advantage of, of all your time. And then the other thing, um, you know, I, I try to keep myself competitive, you know, in the military and competitive for promotion, competitive for command. Um, but when I decided to do, you know, multifamily, when I decided to do real estate full time, you know, I had to, I had to make the hard decision, you know, so, you know, I took my name out of the command hat, you know, so there, there's a board every year that decides who, who, you know, which Lieutenant colonels are going to be battalion and squadron commanders, you know, and I looked at, you know, what my goals were, you know, and I had done well enough to get promoted to, to Lieutenant Colonel over, you know, 15, 18 years, been 19 now, but, uh, I had to make the decision, you know, what's, what's more important for me long-term. You know, and, you know, like, like Jerome, you know, he, we didn't mention it here much today, but, uh, you know, he talks a lot about it in Michael Blanc's podcast. You know, I, I had to burn some, burn some ships, you know, I really had to burn some ships and I had to say, you know, I'm going to end my career right at the 20 year mark. Real estate is my only backup. And so, so I am now leaving my job at 1700 or five o'clock every day. You know, so I do what I'm supposed to do while I'm at work. You know, I give them, you know, 100% of my time while I'm there. But, uh, you know, it's, 
it, it, it's one of those things where you, you really have to look at, um, you know, what your career pattern is going to look like as an officer versus, you know, um, and, and I mean, use the word Jerome says he doesn't like and balance that with, with the real estate. But, uh, anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's my take. Um, so let's, let's, uh, you know, final parting shot on this one. Let's, let's Jerome, how can listeners contact you and get in touch with you? Yeah. So if they're interested in our education platform, it's myersmethods.com, M-Y-E-R-S-M-E-T-H-O-D-S.com. If they want to connect with me personally and just ask questions, I'm on LinkedIn, Jerome Myers, Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. And that information will be in the show notes. So, you know, if, if you didn't write that down, um, just you know, go to the show notes and it'll all be there with links and everything. Nick, how can listeners contact you? Definitely. Um, you can email me at um, nick at rivucapital.com or you can also go to veteranpride.org. Um, that's what organization I work for right now. Um, you can also contact them through that website. So please contact us. Awesome. Well, hey, Jerome, Nick, thanks for coming on the show. You know, Jerome, you gave some excellent tips, you know, and, you know, always, as always, my friend, it's great talking to you. And, you know, Nick, it was great to talk to you. You know, I learned a lot of really good things about you. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how many veterans, you know, you put, uh, you know, uh, roofs over their heads with. So, um, once again, thanks a lot, everybody. And, you know, that's a wrap for today. Brian, this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks, Jerome, for all that insight as well. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.